1: welcome to the fire pit
0: (laughs) i'm tony i'm peggy and we are two rv industry veterans who travel well no
1: no who are spending time in our backyard with a fire pit (laughs) yeah
0: that's for sure but we still look to share big adventures and help you with great tips tricks and discounts and uh, we have news on the trailer front
1: we do have some news on the trailer front as you know Unless you're really new. Maybe oh, you were just maybe you just came in for the Halloween episode and now you stuck around. Hey, if you're new, welcome. <laughs> welcome. We, we we're
0: getting new people every week, so welcome to all of our new friends and family out there.
1: Yes. So if you didn't know, we lost our travel trailer well, we earlier this year. Well, we didn't it. lose it. We I know mean, right I, know where I it have it an idea of where it is. <laughs> it was totaled though by being rear-ended while we were on a road trip. And so we are currently camperless.
0: Yeah, we went from two this year to zero.
1: Right. We sold the Aristocrat, the vintage trailer, and our mini light got totaled. And so currently we are... Just hanging out at home, doing research, and looking for tips and tricks to give you. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, But that will change. We got word that come December, we get to go to Indiana in the snow and pick up our new yeah. Rockwood Mini Light 2205S. And more than one person has said, hey... Uh, are you getting a bigger trailer or a different trailer or anything like that?
1: No, uh-uh, no. We love that 2205 so much that that is what we've put back on order. We'll get another 2205. It will be the 2023 version instead of 2022, which I understand has little bits of, you know, different looking cabinets and, and not gigantic changes, but Yeah, still. but it
0: has... A thousand watts of solar as opposed to the seven twenty our trailer had. Right. So, so if you, you don't
1: know. know, we had a MasterVolt Power package that ABC Marketing installed and we are that is part of our new order because we now that we've tasted that, we cannot go back.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like that thing was so awesome. It was sort of like never having had dessert and then having cheesecake. And now you're like, yeah, I got to always have cheesecake.
1: Right, exactly. So we are, of course, getting the Master Vault package with our new 2205. And I know it's hard. It's 2023-2205. 20, <laughs> At least there's a three thrown in there now. Yeah, that's true.
0: Yeah, we had a 2022-2205.
1: So we are waiting until next one month, four or six weeks from now, we will be apparently heading t- into the snowy indiana to pick up our trip ah, the roads
0: will be clear well what we found and i think if you're out there rv shopping you are finding that the cost to deliver rvs is crazy yeah it's a little
1: outrageous it would be like four thousand dollars to yeah, just in have it delivered costs. here i yeah. have to tell tony that our trip to indiana costs four thousand dollars and i don't think i can because i don't think it will
0: No, plus we get to see all of our friends in Indiana. So that's very true. So, you know, I'm okay with it. I'm sure they keep the roads just fine. We have brand new tires on the truck. And so off we go in December.
1: In the meantime, we, (laughs) if you know our story from earlier this summer when we became temporary South Dakota residents (laughs) and we had to get a mailbox there. Well, now that we're settled in New Mexico, we finally called South Dakota and asked them to forward all of our mail. And we had several letters from the FMCA. Yeah,
0: a bunch. A
1: bunch of letters. And I was trying to figure... I was kind of curious why we weren't hearing that anyone was joining FMCA. Well, what I found out is 30 of you since august have joined fmca yeah thank you you all so very much we just found out that we have 30 listeners that joined fmca and i only wasn't getting credit because they were mailing it instead of emailing it and so now i know so thank you all and we're sorry that this thank you is you know up to a couple of months late (laughs) (laughs) because we
0: didn't know we hope you enjoy the fmca as much as we do and Right now, as we're recording this, there was a regional conference in Tucson, and yeah. more than a few of you have said, hey, where are you guys? Yeah,
1: unfortunately, oh. we weren't able to go because we didn't have a trailer. We didn't have an RV. So now last year, admittedly, we found a way to go to the Tucson International Convention with a and borrowed we trailer. didn't but have an RV last we year We didn't either. have an RV either. But the thing is, we weren't also trying to settle into a new home. And it's been a pretty fun and busy month so we didn't find a trailer or didn't find a different rv now if some other big thing was happening like let's say the convention in Perry, georgia in march and we still didn't have an rv we'd be working right now to find one to borrow that's right
0: (laughs) and speaking of the Perry convention that is the next international convention and we already have our tickets to go we do yeah so we hope to see you we are working to start for those of you who have rockwood or flagstaff trailers we are working to start a or restart restart the rockwood and flagstaff chapter
1: right so there was a rockwood chapter of the fmca long time ago when rockwoods were motorhomes. yeah when they
0: <laughs> sold motorized derbies they don't any longer they don't They're any longer homes.
1: And that's okay because now FMCA doesn't require members to be motorhomes or drivables. Now they understand that we're all really cool people, (laughs) even those (laughs) of us in travel trailers and fifth wheels. So we are going to work toward having a new chapter and hopefully we'll get that done before Perry. And we will be able to introduce the reinstated Rockwood chapter at Perry, Georgia.
0: But there's so many other reasons to join the FMCA too. And we have interviews with FMCA's people and it's just a great organization. We really like their roadside assistance program the best of any of them. Yeah. A lot of advantages of being part of the FMCA, including I mentioned we have new tires on our truck. Well, there's a Michelin tire discount program. So lots of great reasons.
1: Lots of great reasons to join the FMCA.
0: You could say the FMCA is hot, hot, hot.
1: And speaking of hot, hot, hot we got a question asking if it was safe to leave a space heater in an RV to keep it from freezing while it's in winter storage.
0: Yeah, so they had their RV in a storage place and wanted to keep things from freezing with a space heater. And please don't. Please, please don't do that. (laughs) I just can't state more emphatically that I would not leave an electric space heater plugged in unattended especially that far from anything, right? I mean, if it's in storage, there's probably nobody around. If something bad happens, no one will hear the smoke alarm and right. it will become an insurance loss, I mean, something we're really familiar with. Yeah,
1: that's true, even in your house. Like, don't leave your space heater on. Don't leave it. I mean, I even unplug mine even when we're you know gone for the afternoon or whatever, I unplug it when I'm not using it, just in an overabundance of caution. But please don't ever leave a space heater running and... Leave it unattended.
0: Yeah. We will say a lot of newer RVs, including the one that we have on order, do have space heaters kind of built right in. Well, that's true. That's what the electric fireplace is. Right. It's a fancy electric space heater. So you might say, well, then why shouldn't I use a space heater? And here are some of the reasons. We do have a full article about this, and you can see a link to that in the show notes at StresslessCamping.com, our home on the web. According to the National Fire Protection Association, space heaters were the single most likely cause of home fires over any other source of heat. In fact, 53% of home fires related to heating were caused by space heaters in their 2018 report, which is the last year the information was reported.
1: So again, we're talking about home fires and you're home most of the time. I think a lot of these fires might even happen when you're there and you're running a heater overnight and a fire starts and you're asleep and you have an emergency situation to get out or you you know, leave your heater running and leave and the house burns and you're not even there to know it.
0: Well, and the other thing about that, most space heaters, they say, leave three feet of space around them. And in many RVs, that's just not possible. Yeah,
1: there's not a lot of six-foot diameter spaces so that you can have the <laughs> three feet all the way around.
0: Right. So also know that many newer RVs have heated and enclosed underbellies, but the way that works is through the furnace. So it requires that the furnace is on to provide the heat to the underbelly. There are some RVs that have... 12-volt heating pads on the holding tanks but do know that they do keep the tanks warm but not always do they keep the sewer what they call the knife valves and other plumbing components warm so yeah
1: so if you go to dump a tank that has been heated so the tank isn't frozen the valve itself might have gotten frozen and I mean, you know, if you force that frozen thing, you're going to break it and then you're going to have a way yeah. more permanent problems. Yeah, problem. a frozen
0: plug. Yikes. Oh, hey, boy.
1: While we're talking about different kinds of heaters, I saw a comment recently that said, I can only run my RV furnace on um, electricity, like if I'm plugged into shore power. And I thought that pretty much all furnaces were... Well, I mean, I know there are RVs that are completely 100% electric and no propane. But for the most part, RV furnaces are propane powered. Is that right?
0: Yeah. I mean, most of them use propane to generate heat. And then they have a blower motor that blows the air over the heating element
1: but even that blower motor is usually a 12 volt yeah, it's system. usually
0: a 12 volt system. there are some weird exceptions but for the most part yeah it, it uses 12 volt to run it there are some motorized rvs that use different technologies like the aqua hots and stuff like that but yeah that's typically how it works one of the things i should put a link to our electricity article because it is shocking how much electricity those blower motors for the furnaces take yeah that was a
1: big surprise our first winter we thought well no problem the only thing we're doing is running the furnace and that's propane and we were quite surprised by how much of the battery got used up overnight
0: yeah (laughs) it's pretty surprising so you know be safe as always make sure that your smoke and carbon monoxide detectors are operating properly make sure to have a fire extinguisher nearby i mean just be safe and yeah i mean you can run a space heater in an rv but
1: well that also assumes that wherever you are storing has 30 amp power i would be surprised to find out how many of those although in those really cold places they might so that they, but can they may have not the building. have they
0: may just have a regular 20 amp or what they call household outlet yeah. And one of the real dangers is running space heaters on extension cords. Yes. um, Because they do take a lot of amperage and you want a fat extension cord to accommodate that. And, you know, going from someplace outside the RV to inside the RV with an extension cord. uh, You're
1: adding all uh, kinds of another whole layer of danger.
0: Yeah, I, I just wouldn't honestly. We have an article on winterizing the RV. If you're going to park it in a place where it can freeze or regularly freezes, I would winterize it. And we have an article on can you use a winterized RV because you can.
1: Right. That's right. One other thing that we want to point out to you is that Mike Sokol, The RV electricity guru guy, he has an article about avoiding space heater danger. It's in two parts, and we will put links to those two articles for you to read his take on the same topic. Yeah,
0: and Mike knows his electricity. And one of the neat things, we really appreciate that people reach out to us and ask us RV-related questions. We're always happy to answer them to the best of our knowledge, and sometimes we don't know, and... We're very fortunate that we have people that we do know who are really good at knowing stuff.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and that's why we usually have guests. Yeah. And we will have a guest today, even though you it doesn't seem like we are, because we we're talking a lot, but our destination will actually be our guest right after this.
0: How would you like to help support this Stressless Camping Podcast and website,
1: free oh why wouldn't anybody want to do that
0: well you can our discounts and deals page on our website has all kinds of great deals and discounts that we enjoy ourselves but we also have a link to our amazon store and if you buy stuff on amazon which of course we all do if you click on that link first we get a teeny tiny cut of what you buy now that doesn't raise the price of what you pay at all But it does. Basically, Amazon just wants to see if we're referring people. And so they give us a teeny tiny cut if you click that link. And so it helps support us and doesn't cost you any more. And you still get to buy stuff on Amazon. So it's kind of cool. Win-win. Yeah. Winner-winner. Chicken dinner. And you could even probably buy chicken dinner on Amazon. (laughs) Probably. Using, you know, clicking on our link first will mean we get it. I guess like we get a P if you're having shepherd's pie or something like that. There you go. Isn't that cool? So we get a P's of the pie. Oh boy.
1: We are thrilled and honored to be met now with Taylor and Scott Johnson from the Campers Hub Thank you guys for taking some time out of your very busy schedules <laughs> to, to talk to us about your
3: adventure. Thank you for having us.
0: Yeah.
3: I'm so glad to be connected.
0: Oh, yeah. And, and we got to stay. So the campers hub is a up and coming campground that you bought a year ago and are in the process of basically creating, right? You bought sort of the, the starter kit. And you're turning
4: it into the real McCoy as it were. <laughs> yeah. So I got to correct you there. We closed in April, but a year ago we came to the RV entrepreneur summit that was hosted by Heath and Alyssa Paget. Right. And we were just attendees then. And we were actually kind of on our way out of RV life. We had been on the road for two years and we were like, do we go? And we knew that Heath and Alyssa were building a campground. We had it in our mind that maybe that was going to be our next step. And we never really would have thought that that was going to be the, <laughs> the campground that they own was going to be our campground a year later. But we showed up and, and we built those relationships with you know the community there and got to know Heath and Alyssa a little bit better that when they decided it was time to take an off-ramp, as Heath put it, it was a, a good time for them to get out and we had already been familiar with their plan and, and been to Montrose and explored the area, and we were like, "This, this seems like a, a great project for us, and a lot of potential for the campground itself." And we had overlapping visions with Heath with like the co-working aspect and kind of getting more of a community together of of like-minded people that were like us, like people that were working from the road and trying to you know, find places with good internet and (laughs) an area where you can get work done instead of, you know, just a a campground that had a playground for a common area. And a dirt pile.
1: And a dirt pile. And a dirt pile. (laughs) Who would have
4: thought The kids
1: love that dirt pile. Kids (laughs)
4: love dirt piles. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of funny. One of the families that stayed here over the RV Entrepreneur Summit, they told us that our campground, you know, granted, it's just really dirt and dirt piles right now. Was more fun than the community rec center that had the indoor water park. Wow! So, wow! You know, I, I guess we're gonna have to leave the dirt piles. I guess. Yeah, so. I think Jason
0: and Abby said their kids were asking, "Hey, is that dirt pile from last is year still, still going to be there?" there?
4: <laughs> I mean, they were all looking forward to it, so. We Hold just got to
3: keep it, I guess. Yeah.
4: yeah. I mean, we may have to haul in snow in the wintertime and try to get some early visitors.
1: So you said it was just a, a field. Now, my understanding is it hasn't been that long since it actually was a cornfield.
4: I think it was actually alfalfa. Oh, okay. Because we can't seem to get rid of the alfalfa.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> no
2: matter know, how hard we we're try. We're
4: out there like spraying for weeds and pulling them up. But man, they, that alfalfa is a stubborn plant. We can't grow anything else. We put, yeah. you know, trees trees and other vegetables and stuff in the ground. Only it seems like uh, alfalfa grows here. That, oh. and you probably noticed the abundance of rocks everywhere.
2: <laughs> <laughs> think yes. One
4: of the guys that owned the property before us cracked a joke that it was like a, a rock farm because a rock farm. I mean, they just endlessly <laughs> come out of the ground. So buying the, the property, we joined two parcels together. One was 11 acres of alfalfa, and the other was a 1945 built schoolhouse that housed grades one through three. That property is about three and a half acres. We got the schoolhouse building uh, as a base to start off, which was nice because it's not just a blank piece of land. We actually have electricity and showers and water and, and a place you know that we could host things, uh, yeah. like we did with the RV Entrepreneur Summit. So it's nice to have a little head start there and already be on the grid connected to the utilities is, is a huge head start. Right, yeah, that's very up.
1: helpful. And yeah, and you've said it, and I, I wanna just you know keep saying it and say it again, it's a great, it makes great workspace. You've really set it up in a way where, as Taylor and I kind of talked about, you've got a corner of comfy chairs. For us RVers <laughs> who never have a big comfy chair to curl up in to read a book, and then you've got rooms that have a little more quiet space and some collaboration space. And so it's really friendly to those of us who need some workspace and some Wi-Fi and maybe a recording space if our RV doesn't work out.
0: Well, or even meeting space. I mean, the classrooms were great community meeting places. And so, and you have a kitchen. So what is your sort of vision for the campers
4: hub? You wanna take this?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Sure. I mean, our vision, like we said, was similar to Heath and Alyssa, which is why we loved it so much because when we were traveling full-time, It would have been so nice to have a space outside of the RV to get work done, especially when you think of people now, there's so many more people that are traveling with their kids and their pets and being in the RV trying to get work done can be pretty challenging. Hard to find a peaceful place to get, you know, podcasts complete. And there's a lot of creators out there now. So we wanted to create a space that was welcoming workers from the road so they could go inside and get out of their RV, sit down, have reliable internet for more than five minutes (laughs) and they could rent a room if they want to do a podcast. We'd love to have a podcasting studio. So they have a silent place. So you don't hear people parking and moving their RVs in the middle of podcasting. I mean, we're going to have all types of different people and no way are we turning away other RVers who are simply retired or maybe they're not workers, but we just really wanted to gear it towards a space that entrepreneurs could come and work and feel like they're part of the community and they could even network. If everyone's, you know, entrepreneurs here and you meet in the common area, it's even like a networking space. And we just haven't seen that
0: on the road yet.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's a
0: completely different mindset. And it makes so much sense to at least how we travel. And I can't imagine we're that unusual. I mean, we are, but, you know. (laughs) In so many ways. (laughs) But there was also the outdoor space where we had music from the border hookups. That was awesome and Mm -hmm. such. So what are your goals from the camping standpoint, spaces and hookups and that sort of such?
4: Yeah, we'll have a a mix of options. Uh, Some of them will be full hookup, pull through sites. We'll have some back in sites we have a a creek and an irrigation ditch (laughs) on two sides of the property. (laughs) So, you know, we wanted to to put in some glampers tents that backed up to the irrigation trench. Not that it's because it's beautiful, but more you get like a little bit of that sound of the the water flowing through there at night. Yeah. And then we'll have electric only sites for those people that, you know, are fine just hitting the dump station on the way out. And then we'll have some, you know, we'll call them dry sites or boondocking sites. We've actually found by doing hip camp that there's a lot of people that don't have tent camping sites uh, available mm-hmm. in the area. So it wasn't part of the original plan, but it seems like we'll have a decent amount of of tent campers needing to come through. So, uh, and also the guys that do the, you know, motorcycle camping, like they oh. they throw their tents on their motorcycles and then they head yeah. out and do some of the back roads and stuff. It sounds like. Montrose just doesn't have an option for them either. I know like further down the road in your way, there's some, some motorcycle camping sites, but yeah. So we're going to have a mix of, of everything here. And then, you know, we're going to add some bathhouses as we start building things out. So it's not just the schoolhouse structure that are, it'll be like a a regular campground with other amenities, washer, dryer, and then we'll have a pavilion where uh, you guys saw the border hookups play. We're going to build that out into uh, steel structure that will be available for family gatherings, barbecues, or whatever. You know, uh, food truck parking nearby. So, you know, if if we do host more events like the RV Entrepreneur Summit, like that'll be a great place. Especially, you know, if it rains, like yeah. it'll be big enough that a yeah. bunch of people can gather under it.
2: Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
4: Well, there was a taco truck one night. That right. was awesome.
2: Yeah.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are
0: good tacos. Oh, the barbecue
4: <laughs> truck too. Yeah, the
2: barbecue. That yeah.
0: was good too. Yeah. I noticed you guys also put in a kitchen
4: there. I don't know what our plans will be ultimately for that kitchen. We've toyed with the idea of doing a coffee shop in the co-working space. Oh. Not that we want to run a coffee shop ourselves, (laughs) but if there was a local entrepreneur who wanted to get into, you know, selling coffee, we thought we've got the space for it. We've got Mm -hmm. the, the hookups and, you know, most people like to drink coffee when they're, uh, we're thinking maybe that'll turn into a coffee shop area. Although we do like the prospect of the side of the building that faces the highway, that maybe that would be something that, you know, you could advertise to the people that are passing by. We actually have a lot of people riding bikes by our building that go out for, for a long ride and they use our landmark as a turnaround spot. So we're like, maybe we still Yeah, coffee, ice cream, donuts—you know, like you get to the end of your ride and reward yourself or something, and before you turn back, so
1: power up for the return ride.
4: Yeah,
3: yeah, Yeah. take a little break. And that corner of
4: the building has a a great view of the San Juan Mountains, so Mm -hmm. like we figured that might be a good use of that space over there. Little
3: patio, good plan,
4: yeah.
0: And Scott, you have experience in real estate and real estate development, if I'm not mistaken.
4: Yeah, my degree was in construction management. I did that for a large national real estate developer until the the great Recession hit, and that's when I had a real estate license at the time decided to go start my own realtor business and did that for twelve years or so and you know during that time did a you know a few fix and flips and some land deals and stuff and we hit the road in twenty nineteen so it just seemed like getting into the RV development business made a lot of sense. Cause that's kind of like bringing together, you know, the three big aspects of what I've experienced in my, my adult lifetime.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's interesting how you've, you know, you, you are building a campground based on experience as genuine RVers. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We can say we did our research. Yeah. Yeah. So the good, the bad, the ugly, and you know, like you guys know this, like when you're sitting at a campground, you're sitting there talking about, well, you know, it'd be nice if they had this, or it'd be nice if they didn't do this. Or why is this still the way that things are in this uh-huh. industry?
0: Yeah, exactly.
4: We had many conversations about, you know, what's the direction of, I don't want to say like we're coming up with new inventions. Because I think the technology is already out there on so many things that why do we need to call a phone number to make a reservation at an RV park. Like there's, Mm, there's apps, you know, you could pull on an app and see, you know, what's available and then book it right there. And then if you got the map, you know, where you go and, and, you know, you, you don't need to necessarily check in, maybe you do it, you know, on your phone, but, you know, we view the camper sub is not just like co working and camping, but, you know, kind of go into the next level of there's technology out there that will make it a little bit more seamless for people to get to where they want to be set up and then enjoy themselves. We'd like to do something where it's like, you can order firewood to be delivered at your site. If you decide last second, Hey, let's have a fire. And you know, like, why don't we have some s'mores with it? So you (laughs) you can go into the app and order that and we'll come out with a golf cart and deliver it for you. Yeah, Yeah. Awesome. Or if you wanted to add more nights and see what's going on. And I know some of that exists already out there. But we're also thinking electric vehicles are going to be a game changer for the industry. So we're planning on that. We're planning on putting in some solar and uh, vehicle charging stations so that we can kind of accommodate to what I think is inevitable. I mean, we're already seeing you know legislation in places that. They want more electric vehicles out there. And I think the RV industry, as we know, you kind of consume a lot of gasoline and diesel. So, (laughs) you know, that, that is something that, you know, it'd be better for the environment if, if we kind of help nudge things in that direction by enabling people to travel and know that they're going to be able to charge. Although, you know, again, from the, the owner's standpoint, there's a lot of mom and pop RV. Well, I think just the industry in general isn't necessarily going to be ready with the infrastructure for heavy charging that's going to happen when more and more of these, these vehicles need to charge up overnight, you know, mm-hmm. in a 24-hour period before they go to the next stop. Yeah. yeah. So we're putting in that infrastructure in anticipation of that. And yeah, we'll probably do some metered sites so we can offer lower rates than the competitors. But if you're, say, somebody who's got an electric vehicle, and a, a huge battery bank on your RV that you know you can you can plug in there and charge up and then we'll we'll charge you you know yeah, <laughs> at a reasonable rate on electricity yeah, but the yeah. people that aren't doing that they're not having to foot the bill for the people that are showing up with yeah. the electric vehicles. Yeah, it seems that seems like a really fair way
0: of doing it. Yeah. One of the things that you know we enjoyed being there and we enjoyed the co-working space but one of the things that's also getting us planning to come back is there is so much to do in that area
1: oh boy yeah yeah
4: Yeah, we uh we feel like we kind of stumbled onto a a hidden gem here (laughs) (laughs) we're not in the san juans but we're adjacent to it like we were in your yesterday that's a 45 minute drive and you know they call it the switzerland of america for for a reason you know they're nestled into alpine territory and it's just it's beautiful it but you know if it's too cold up there there's also mountain biking Montrose has river sports park so if somebody's into river surfing or kayaking or even tubing you know you got that just a few minutes down the road in town oh, man there's so many jeep trails around this area hiking <laughs> lakes we're not super close to any big cities but the amount of stuff once you get here is is just endless you know there's fishing river rafting the hot springs hot springs yeah there's you know historical stuff with all the mining that happened uh, you know especially the million dollar highway is probably one of the most beautiful drives we've done in the country so yeah we're we're kind of like yeah montrose is uh It's got some stuff for it. It's definitely worth the drive.
1: Good place to be. Well,
4: but also it's, you know, sometimes
0: you go to a small town and and it's like, oh, well, the only grocery store is, you know, Bubba's and everything is canned and frozen. But you also have all of the sort of big city infrastructure, for lack of a better, you know, proper grocery stores and fuel and that sort of stuff there. So it's not, you don't feel isolated if you need to go out and get something.
4: Not at all. I mean, one of the things that sold us on this area was that there was the, like you said, there's grocery stores, banks, there's, there's all the amenities that you would want.
3: I wouldn't have agreed to buy this property if there wasn't. <laughs>
4: the target. That was one, the of target the nearby. Nearby. <laughs> one of the
3: things like when we were starting to look at property for doing the whole campground build, I said, you know, I'd love being out in, in nature and kind of out from the big city, but I do want a real grocery store nearby. I don't want to live in the middle of nowhere where you have to travel an hour to get your basic needs. Yeah. So that was a huge thing when they let us know that Montrose property was available. I was like, yeah, there's a city only two miles down the road. I can work with that. Yeah. yeah it's great.
4: Cause we feel like we're, I mean, we are in a rural area, you know, there's literally cows, you know,
2: in our <laughs> within, <laughs> within <laughs> view.
4: But yeah, in two miles, you can be at Walmart or Home Depot or Target or, yeah. you know, yeah. which is great. But there's also, you know, it is a farming community. So there's a lot of uh, pop up farmers market type stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, the area is known for sweet corn and Olathe, Palisades mm-hmm. got their peaches. So you get a lot of the, the fresh stuff being grown locally too. There's a lot of ranchers out here. So there's a lot of free range uh, meat that you can get from the butchers. Yeah. It's not just all uh, corporate out here in little mantras. It's, yeah. it's still, still a majority of, of farmer's town for sure. It sounds like kind of an ideal balance. Yeah. The only thing we need is a Costco and, <laughs> and then,
3: yeah,
0: then we we'll do miss set. our
3: Costco. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's okay. As campers, one of the other things people should know about you is Taylor wrote a book and it, and it centers around the camping lifestyle.
3: It it does a little bit. It's funny because I'm maybe it's because it's my first book and I am not good about talking about myself. So Scott always gets on me that I didn't market it very well, but I, it was so hard because when you write something, even though it is a fictional book called the hashtag van life murders, <laughs> which a lot of people were like, um, you're a full-time traveler and you wrote about van life murders. Like nobody wants <laughs> to read that. That's terrifying. <laughs> in the book, I wrote a lot was real just from our, no murders. Luckily we didn't encounter that, but (laughs) I do have the character actually traveling along the same journey we took during our RV life. So I had her go on the same routes, which was fun to kind of pull it into. It was almost like a journal for us in a way, because I wrote about real things, real places, real things that happened, but it also was kind of a, a way of telling people that are traveling alone in vans, especially women like things to do and not to do to stay safe out there. So it was kind of a fun project to do and, yeah, we'll definitely have some at the campground for sure. So people can check it out. But
0: family that's life interesting. murders or Piss.
3: just
4: the books? Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully no murders.
3: Just the books.
4: I don't yeah, know how long it'll last in the business if there's a bunch of murder chairs. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: You'd have a whole new, have have a whole new marketing plan.
4: Yeah,
0: absolutely. Right. <laughs> well, I told you we used to own a resort. And one of the things that really drew people in was we were really... Highly listed on places to sleep with a ghost. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. We'll have to look into the history of this place a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, no children ghosts from the school. So, yeah. <laughs> right. I mean,
3: I don't know. Our dog sometimes will bark at weird things in the schoolhouse when we're working in there, like in the corners. And hmm. I don't see anything. And she seems really <laughs> be adamant. So, I'm.
4: <laughs> I don't
3: know. We might need to bring those ghost hunters she out does here. Have, yeah, uh,
4: imagination, though. Yeah. She does have an
0: imagination. <laughs> the janitor. <laughs> <laughs> so, how is developing a campground similar to and different than like any normal building a house or any of those type of projects? Because this has to be both similar and very different.
4: From the standpoint of you know you're looking at a commercial project so you're you're thinking you know how's the public going to use this how's it going to be safe obviously the county we're outside the city but the county has some input on you know how are you using your property there's you know different codes and regulations the big one is septic out here so Obviously, they want to make sure that if you have 100 RVs showing up, that there's a place for them to dump their black Mm -hmm. tank and it's not on the ground, you know? (laughs) So that's been one of the biggest challenges is that there's not that many RV parks being developed at a time. You know, granted right now, there's more than probably in the past 20 years being developed as, you know, the, the RVing world has gotten more popular thanks to the pandemic. But generally speaking, a lot of these these septic designers are residential guys or they do commercial buildings that tie into sewer in the city mm-hmm. so we're a commercial project out mm-hmm. in rural lands that they haven't designed this stuff necessarily before or at least not locally so you know you you want to hire the guy that knows the local rules can get things done locally but then you know if if the last RV park was built in it's probably been the 80s in Montrose so yeah it's not something that they know very well and are like, yeah, this is what we have to do. We're kind of like going through the process together to try to figure out our septic. That was kind of the one big thing that I didn't see coming that, yeah, I was like, we've got these professionals, we've got most of the design done, you know, that we were walking into. And then it's like, well, wait a minute, this is going to be a six month process to figure out just the septic. So that was one big surprise, you know, with an RV park, having the schoolhouse already done bathhouses are fairly simple. So most of it's in-ground infrastructure. We're also getting a construction loan and going through that process is we're not there yet, but you know, it looks like things are are going well with it. They ask for backup on everything. And yeah. right now contractors are busy yeah. and even getting a quote out of them can be, you know, a 20 hour a week job <laughs> and, and just following up and saying, Hey, you know, where are you? Like, what's going on? Let's have a meeting. Let's, you know, come out to the site. Like, let's look at it. Let's, you're, you're trying to be the squeaky wheel just to get pricing out of people. And then you finally get it. And they're like, this quote's good for seven days. It's like, well, thanks. Not going to look at it (laughs) in seven days. And then they're going to say, well, we need one that's good for, you know, 60 days. So yeah. I mean, I I could probably go on forever on the, (laughs) the difficulties of just trying to work in this environment, but You know, we'll get there eventually. It's not an impossible project. It's not a lot of vertical construction. So it's kind of just putting in the underground infrastructure and roads. Yeah. It's finding other people to do it because it is a decent sized project. You know, at some point we can't just be out here with a a backhoe putting rock down ourselves. Yeah, Some days it feels like we might build this out before we get anybody else out here to help us.
0: (laughs) Your experience with construction and management of of construction obviously has to help a lot
4: yeah it's one of those things where you're like i'm comfortable taking on the project but also you know there's still so much to learn i haven't built an rv park before so
3: (laughs) but you at least have like a base to go off of i don't know if i would have agreed to do this with him if that wasn't his background yeah I mean, if neither one, I certainly had no knowledge about, you know, building in general at all. So,
4: and she's learned yeah. quite a bit. Yes, uh,
3: definitely skills. I never thought she, I would have. She
4: can, she can finish concrete, <laughs> poor footings, wow. uh, bar. <laughs> yeah. skill set that she never thought she would
0: ever have to have. No, definitely not. It's amazing what you learn. I know in some RV park build situations sometimes the community is apprehensive. Some people see RV parks as those old derelict parks. And so there's a level of pushback from some of the community. Have you experienced any of that?
4: Luckily, no. Um, We have one neighbor to one side of us that thought an RV park would be perfect for this property and. I guess he had owned it at one point. So he probably went through the whole thought process of like, how do you utilize this old school building that it's not worth knocking down, but it's never going to be used as a school again. And I think he had that thought, but he eventually sold to a contractor in town who also owned the adjacent 80 acres. So I'm kind of losing my, (laughs) where I'm going with this, but the contractor had basically gotten through the zoning and sold to Heath and Alyssa, the school building and when they did that, they went through rezoning. And luckily, the neighbor on the other side of us, they had just closed. So when they were going through their whole process, they found out that the land next to them was going to be an RV park. So they came in with the expectation that an RV park was going to be built there, and they still decided to close on the property. Okay, good. So luckily, we've got three neighbors, and all of them are on board. But yeah, I kind of feared when we started looking into this that we would get in a situation where we would get pushback. But that was one of the advantages of this property was that the neighbors were were cool with it and they had already gone through zoning that takes away quite a bit of risk from a developer standpoint yes, um, if you're yeah. able to use the property for what you want to do that was a major milestone out of the way that's good what's your time frame do you think
0: to have it closer to the reality that you envision
4: that's the million dollar question
0: so <laughs> well you're on the million dollar highway
2: <laughs> <That's> yeah <right. laughs>
0: i know you're not officially open yet But we were fortunate enough that you were able to have the RV Entrepreneur Roundtable there. But not only did that sort of interrupt the plans of some of your building going on, but you also postponed your honeymoon just for us. You're trying to get me in trouble, Tony.
4: <laughs> I try to speak about this as little as possible. Oh. But, you know, we, we knew we were going to be busy basically all summer.
3: Right. Because, you know, he wanted fall. to move our wedding to the middle of summer. That was not the plan. He uh, wanted to bump it up. And I was like, are you trying to kill me? Is that <laughs> the plan here? Plan a wedding in six months? And... <laughs> So that was, yeah, it was like, okay, because building a campground's not enough of a challenge. Let's plan a wedding on top of it. Right. So <laughs>
4: I just wanted to do a honeymoon when we had the time. When, it, things, slow when down. things slow down. Yeah. Things will be slower here in the winter. Right. And
3: it'll be time for a break. So it'll be good. It's yeah. Winter. You could
4: you could yeah. go
0: somewhere warm if that's your choice or go yeah. to a winter yeah. destination if that's your choice. But thank you mm-hmm. for, for having us, even though you're newlyweds. <laughs>
3: I mean, it was really fun, though, to see people in the space and actually using the co-working space and everyone sitting in there talking and working and networking. It was just like, wow, okay, there is a need for this. And people are using the space for what it's going to be meant to be. And it made me feel I was already excited about this project, but actually seeing everybody here and utilizing it for what we want it to be was just like the cherry on top. And yeah, it felt good to see it.
4: Yeah. You know, a glimpse of what the future is, and yeah. and you know, to be perfectly honest, like the RV entrepreneur group, the full time remote workers, those are the people that that we really want to cater to. So mm-hmm. it was important to us to throw that here. And even though that wasn't fully in our hands, like that was something that we were pushing for and like asking about when we we're, you know, making the offer, like, Hey, can we have this here? Can we have this here? Like, yeah, it's, yeah. we want people to know that we exist in that community because we think that we have something to offer them. And those are the people that we want come through.
0: Yeah. You yeah. know, not that yeah.
4: we don't want anybody else. We'll have plenty of sure. room, but, right, but that's specifically we're putting the it. the space together because we I think it's a, a great community.
0: You're right. And I think there's much more demand for what you're doing than a lot of people realize. Yeah. But so when can we anticipate your being open to the public? Because I know we're, we're a very special group to be able to camp there and interrupt your plans like that.
1: <laughs> so not only when will you have your build out and your permits, but also don't forget to factor in that honeymoon
3: time.
4: Yeah, don't open right. before that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, my guess is we're going to go on the honeymoon before we're going to get our permits. <laughs> yeah. The
3: rate things are moving.
4: Yeah. So yeah, the goal is to open summer of 2023. We'll probably do a soft launch because we, we, yeah, it's somewhat out of our hands. What's going to happen. Sure. Supposedly the septic permits are six months out for review. And, you know, we don't even have that design yet. So I wish things moved according to my schedule, but uh, (laughs) I've learned, (laughs) I've learned that it's not even at this point worth updating the schedule because it just keeps going and going and going. But yeah, we're, we're shooting for next summer. I don't know if we'll be a hundred percent complete, but we can build it out in phases. Mm -hmm. So we'll have, likely the school building side with uh, back end sites and then probably a couple rows of pull through sites as like a phase one, if nothing else. Mm -hmm. Now, if we get permits sooner and we can build more, obviously we'd like to to build it as big as we can Mm because we don't want to be doing construction while people (laughs) are staying here. So, you know, we'll try to try to go big, but you know, it, it just depends on. Unfortunately, external yeah. forces. Well,
1: yeah, and as you as you said earlier, this is your book, your story,
4: <laughs>
2: and
1: nobody knows the end of their story.
2: So yeah. if mm-hmm. you
1: try to. Put it on a spreadsheet and stick to a schedule. It's more frustrating when things don't go well.
4: Every great book starts with a, the main character not knowing what's going to happen. So, right. like, why why would we have it all crafted out, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's good as RVers we know, as our friends John and Kathy taught us, set your plans in jello, and <laughs> and be able to go with the flow and let things happen. So having the experience of being RVers. It's probably a little bit easier, not fun obviously, but for you to let things happen as they happen and not say, mm-hmm. well, that didn't fit my schedule. That's not right.
4: Yeah. yeah. It'd be hard to go through life if there wasn't some flexibility built into it. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. that goes with RV life as well as doing development like this. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. You'd lose your mind if you thought <laughs> everything was planned. Cause yeah, it, it's a lot of moving parts uh, and you gotta have a lot of other people involved. And you can only do so much. For sure,
0: yeah. Well, Scott and Taylor, we really appreciate your taking the time to spend with us today. And we wish you luck moving forward, both in all of your plans. Yes, (laughs) thank you. We can't wait to
3: have everybody back. I mean, that was the nice part about having the R V community come out here and connect with them. That ideally those would be our soft opening, you know, in case there's any issues or things you need to change that arise. It's like our friends in the community are there with us. Yeah. And yeah. 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 We're looking forward to it.
0: I appreciate you having us on the podcast. Yeah. Absolutely. Our pleasure and we look forward to returning because there's there was so much to do and we I don't think we scratched the surface.
1: Oh, not at all.
4: And so, and yeah. plus we could get our work done there, which is unusual.
1: Right, right.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
4: Maybe by the time you come back, we'll have more podcast studio type stuff <laughs> and <laughs> Zoom conference call booths and, you know, wow. all the inside stuff done. Very wow, cool. That'd Very be impressive. Cool. So well thank you best of luck
0: and we thank hope you. to uh see you, see
3: soon. you soon yeah absolutely yeah. thank you guys thanks guys <laughs> okay our
0: pleasure okay well are you hoping to go there when they open up officially because I, I know i am, I am. yeah well, we're going back without a doubt well for Ooray, sure hot springs and oh so many good right, things right that'll there.
1: be our home spot for all that southern colorado traveling and exploring because there's a lot to see there
0: it's beautiful it really it truly is <laughs> I know some of you are going to say, ew, when you hear this. But as you (laughs) may or may not know, Peggy and I have been on a revised eating plan. They always say don't call it a diet. Yeah, we
1: don't call it a diet. Yeah,
0: see? (laughs) We've been on something... We that have I would been, call a diet. We
1: have been avoiding high carbs in our eating. Yeah,
0: and as a result, I'm down over 40 pounds. So there you go. Right, so, it's, so working. it's working
1: out. So when we were getting ready to start this no-carb challenge, low-carb challenge in January, I was looking for recipes and, you know, kind of planning what we were going to eat for that six weeks that we were on a really intense challenge. And a lot of recipes had cauliflower in it. And Tony and I both said... Ew. Ew, I don't like cauliflower. Well, for some reason, we decided that it would still be a good idea for the very first day that we were doing this challenge to start with cauliflower. And we made cauliflower risotto. Now, I posted that recipe a few weeks ago on our website because it's super easy and it's camp kitchen
0: friendly. Yeah, you can buy riced cauliflower in just about any grocery store, right? You
1: absolutely can, and, and you can it's get actually it.
0: Actually, good.
1: Yeah, it's not bad, and you can get it frozen. You can. I don't know if you can get it like prepared salads. Perhaps we haven't really looked like that. We either buy it frozen to keep it handy in the camper freezer, or we buy a head of cauliflower and just shred it in the house. Yeah. So. This week, we wanted to try something different. Tony was using the smoker to make some chicken wings. (laughs) And when you have chicken wings, you got to have like that kind of barbecue food, right? And potato salad is kind of my family's go-to. But we aren't eating potatoes, so I found a recipe for cauliflower salad. And it's different from... Any side dish salad that we've had. Tony likes to make German potato salad. Yeah. Which is made with bacon and vinegar oh, yeah. and served warm or at room temperature. Of course, the traditional potato salad is typically with hard boiled eggs and pickles and served cold with mayonnaise sauce. Well, this cauliflower salad is not like any other.
0: <laughs> and I will tell you, even if you're not a fan of cauliflower, it's good and we served it to a bunch of guests not really telling them what we were doing that's why you don't come over to our house
2: right?
0: (laughs) um, we served it to a bunch of people and they liked it even people who are like well i usually don't like cauliflower it really did it felt like we were eating potato salad
1: yeah so the trick to a a cauliflower salad type thing is to cut it up into bite-sized pieces like you would a potato and then Boil it slightly so you don't want it to end up mush, but you don't... I really still don't like raw cauliflower. Like, I won't just sit and munch raw cauliflower, but putting it in recipes has been really good. And this cauliflower salad is so different because it has some Romano cheese, and the dressing is actually a combination of, oh, if I can remember... Of course, we'll put a link (laughs) so you can see, but
0: yeah, we have it on our website. It's like
1: dairy based There's sour cream and cream cheese in it. And it's just different from anything we've had. It was really delicious. It has bacon in it. (laughs) Yes, sir. So we'll put a link, check it out. If you love cauliflower, then, you know, try it. If you don't think you love cauliflower, try it anyway and see what you think and let us
0: know. Yeah, it's actually pretty proper. have moved the rv daily review to StresslessCamping.com, and it's right there on the home page and boy oh boy has it been popular uh some of the like google's picked it up and shared it and it's just gone pretty well I have always said if you're looking at an RV start at the outside and work your way up first before you go inside and look at how pretty the cabinets are
2: right (laughs)
0: and an example of that are two RVs that I posted reviews of this week the Grand Design Imagine XLS 23 DLE yeah and the Arctic Fox 25W
1: well that's way easier to say
0: yeah (laughs) The Arctic Fox, you may not be that familiar with it. And there's another brand of RVs that are very similar name, which I think is kind of unfortunate. But Arctic Fox is a product of a company called Northwoods Manufacturing. They are in the Pacific Northwest and they make really solid RVs. And they actually build all their own frames and have them certified for off-road use. So, there you go. But let's talk about starting with the Grand Design & Both of these are very similar in layout. They have a rear kitchen, front bedroom, and a mid-bath. There's a dining table and theater seats or reclining seats. They give you choices. So... Why do I like the Grand Design Imagine? What's the advantages? Well, that company has a great reputation for treating their customers well. And that's that says a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't like to talk about style because I think it's subjective, but I really do like the way the cabinetry is designed in Grand Design products.
1: Yeah, they're nice looking.
0: They really are. The bedroom has a true queen bed, and I really like the way it's organized. There are hanging closets on each side and two drawers and little cubbies that have... Both household and USB power in them which is pretty neat.
1: I'm gonna step in and say that center bathroom a lot of people don't really like that design but we really think that would be ideal for us because it completely separates the workspace from the sleep space and for two people who have kind of different sleeping habits That seems like a really good layout for us.
0: Yeah, the bathroom in the Grand Design basically splits the trailer in half. There's a door on the bedroom side and a door on the living room side. And there's a light above the sewer outlets on the Grand Design, which I think is really slick, right? But notice I Sewer
1: outlets?
0: Yeah, we're going to get to that. Okay. All right, so the Arctic Fox 25W... They build their own chassis, and the suspension and chassis is just really a good thing on these. They are solid, they're heavy, they're sturdy, they have a great suspension, they actually have shock absorbers. It is a good suspension system and a good chassis. They are cold weather certified, and the way they... Think about campers; they have dual pane windows and ten gallon water heaters, and they're just really good if you like camping in the cold. They have bigger holding tanks, and they say you can tow with water in the tank. Oh, yeah, fifty seven gallons of fresh water. Wow, and it has a great kitchen, including a large, usable oven. The twenty two Tony
1: inch. and his oven, <laughs>
0: and that's getting to the <laughs> downside of the Grand Design. Doggone it, I really dislike the 16-inch oven that is so common in RVs because it's got hot spots. It's almost too small to be worth using. Come on, Grand Design. I mean, you're advertising yourselves as a premium product. Get rid of these terrible 16-inch ovens. They're worthless. And by the same token, cheap vent fans. The little four-inch fart fan in these trailers, it doesn't do anything but make noise. You're a premium brand. Get rid of those and put in something good. Also two sewer dumps. Come on. It's easy enough to plumb into one outlet.
1: Yeah, it's really a hassle if you don't have two sewer dumps. I mean, I don't we don't have two sewer dumps. Well, we don't have any sewer dumps right now. <laughs> but we have friends who do and it's it's a pain to like hook up to one and then move it and if the if one of your dumps doesn't reach the sewer then you've got to move your trailer just to finish your job and yeah come on can't you hook that stuff up for yeah. us
0: well we know people whose trailers have had two sewer dumps sure and uncle they just, bob did yeah, it for joe and jackie plumb them together <laughs> and lastly you know lots of trailers including our vintage trailer had a low-end dry leaf spring suspension right it's the least expensive type of suspension you can find in a trailer i just don't like them just because I prefer something you can maintain with the wet bolts and all that, which is what you'll find in the Arctic Fox. But if you don't do a lot of towing... These low-end leaf springs are just fine. Sure. Arctic Fox, the disadvantages are they're built like tanks and they're heavy as heck. (laughs) I mean, that's just the more material you put in something, the heavier it's going to be.
1: So you're going to need a bigger truck to pull that Fox.
0: I think I need a bigger truck. (laughs) And some buyers have said the interiors on Northwood's products look dated. There was a guy at the RV Entrepreneur Roundtable who had an Arctic Fox and said, yeah, they just... They look dated, but that's subjective. So, anyway, in conclusion, choice between these two rigs may come down to how much you use them. Uh, If you're only going to use it occasionally, then the lower end suspension on the Grand Design is fine, right? And they have a really good reputation for standing behind their customers, which is really enviable. If you're going to be boondocking a lot or plan to use a rig frequently, I really like those Arctic Fox products. They're built like tanks. Starting from the chassis up.
1: And if you don't have an Arctic Fox and so you don't get to camp all year round, you may already be starting to winterize. And in episode 71, which we will leave a link to, (laughs) we spoke to our friend Adam Douglas and he gave us some winterizing tips. So go check out that episode and also check out Adam's winterizing tips.
0: Yeah, they're right there at our home on the web at Stressless Camping com and we have a question every week last week we didn't ask a new question because we didn't but we
1: just wanted to thank everyone for contributing to our fun spooky story episode <laughs> that we love so much yeah we really
0: do but this week we do have a new question of the week which you can answer on our fun and friendly stressless camping podcast facebook group
1: and that question is Well, let me explain. It's about time to start making wish lists for the holidays. I mean, you know, Halloween is over. That means it's November 1st and Christmas carols are starting. (laughs) Anyway, we're going to kind of break our wish lists up into categories. So over the next few weeks, we plan to do a few kind of wish list episodes. The first one I want to start with is safety gear. So what is your top safety gear wish list pick?
0: And you can answer that question of the week or pose your own questions at our fun and friendly Stressless Camping Podcast Facebook group. Yeah, big old long name hey and did you know we do a once a week newsletter and, and
1: it's free yeah
0: free with links to stories videos and podcasts that will help you get the most out of your rv experience
1: just visit our website and you can sign up or if you forget the first time then you go to the bottom of any page you can sign up for our weekly newsletter it's one newsletter a week we only send one We don't share your information, and that is it.
0: Ebbity, ebbity, that's all, folks. And you'll find the notes for this episode, Episode 175, on the podcast page at our home on the web, StresslessCamping.com.
1: And also on StresslessCamping.com, don't forget you'll find our deals and discounts page for the best deals on things you need for your stressless camping adventure.
0: And if you've got a great deal for our audience, contact us. We have a really good one that's going to drop soon yeah and of course we are in all the social places but you can start at our home on the web at stresslesscamping.com
1: from there you can jump off to all the social places that we are all those links are at the top right of the page
0: and if you don't want to miss a future episode of the stressless camping podcast
1: it's free to subscribe on any podcast catcher
0: we're saving you a seat around our virtual campfire and of course a review will help others find this podcast and the more listeners we get the more we can continue to get the best guests for you so leave a review if you haven't yet by the way, if we sound a little funny, we both have this weird throat thing going on. I so. think
1: we're just not used to this dry weather, honestly. Yeah. I think we both are just a little dehydrated. We've been trying to drink our water, but hopefully we don't sound too terrible and we, <laughs> and we acclimate soon.
0: <laughs> See, that's the problem with the fact that we're not on the road is we get staying home too much throat condition. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> anyway it's always a pleasure we really appreciate your being here with us thank you so much for listening sharing with your friends and most of all happy happy camping. camping we hope you learned a lot and had some fun and got some tips for your next stress less camping adventure we're honored by your reviews on apple podcasts which helps others find us too don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss out on the adventure and we look forward to your joining us next week Until then, happy
2: camping!